The show you love with even more local news and more local talk. The voice of the valley. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5. On air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here's your host, Mike Douglas. And welcome to the Mike Douglas Show this Tuesday afternoon here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Mike Douglas here, your concierge. For conversation as we take a look at the issues both here locally and around the world that wind up impacting you and me one way or the other right here in California's Central Valley. Thanks so much for joining us today. It is T-minus 42 days and counting towards the midterm elections on November 8, a mere 42 days away. And I, I keep reiterating, I feel this is not just a tipping point election. This is a screeching halt before we run off the edge of the cliff election to throw things in reverse and start back on logical pathways to economic health, to a righteous approach to issues in the nation to deal with crime in level-headed ways, all of that coming up on November 8th. So important that we all do our part, I believe, to cast a vote for what we believe to be true. And so I uh, encourage you to uh, take the information that we provide, put it in the mix in your very, very fertile brains, and vote intelligently come November 8th. And I know... uh, I know you will, and I know you you do think about these things. You're all very good thinkers here on the Mike Douglas Show. Again, 42 days to go. A uh, quick note, and here's another reason why I think it's important to vote and to start chipping away at uh, the majority, supermajority bureaucracy in Sacramento in just uh, probably a little over two hours ago, Ashley Zavala, the reporter, reporting that Governor Newsom has signed a law prohibiting gender-based pricing on products based upon who they're marketed to. That's not grammatical, but you got the idea. Uh, So again, In my opinion, big government overreach. Government has no business, especially in California, telling businesses what their prices should be on boy or girl products. What if it costs more to make one or the other? What if it costs less to to produce the other boy or girl product? Uh, Again, here we go again. More California government overreach, and they're killing business. They're killing business. Again, T-minus 42 days until the election. All right, let's let's turn to where a lot of our prayers are going right now, and that's to Florida. Hurricane Ian is rapidly intensifying, even as we speak. It's uh, either approaching or is now a Category 3, Forecasted to ramp up to a California, uh, California, there's a Freudian slip, a Category 4 forecast tonight. They're predicting catastrophic winds and a storm surge uh, in the Florida Peninsula. Storm expected to make landfall early Thursday, possibly as a Category 
four. Uh, right now, there's a storm surge warning in effect for areas uh, along the Florida coastline that include Tampa Bay, Fort Myers, Naples, Port Charlotte, St. Petersburg, and Sarasota. And that's on uh, many of those on the, on the West Coast there. And uh, we, uh, we have a vested interest in that. My uh, brother-in-law works and lives in the Naples area. He is frantically, well, he doesn't do anything frantically, but he is intensely packing right now, ready uh, to leave to seek shelter if necessary. And uh, so if he has, he does not right now. He is in the midst of uh, packing and getting ready to move, if that's what they say to do. However, if he uh, has an opportunity, which he may not, but if he does have an opportunity, he may be checking in with us uh, before we're off the air at 5 p.m. Pacific today to give us an update there. Related to the hurricane, here we, I know you'll be disappointed by this. The House Select Committee investigating the events of January 6, 2021 has postponed a hearing scheduled for tomorrow due to the imminent arrival of Hurricane Eon. Hurricane Eon is uh, apparently uh, bearing down, they say, on parts of Florida, says Committee Chair Benny Thompson and Vice Chair Liz Cheney. They say we've decided to postpone tomorrow's proceedings, meaning Wednesday. We're praying for the safety of all those in the storm's path. The Select Committee's investigation goes forward and we will soon announce a date for the postponed proceedings. I've got to be honest with you at this point, I couldn't care less about that committee. It's a sham, I believe, and it's a sham because it is not a valid hearing. <laughs> there, There's no opportunity for people to defend themselves. There's no counterpoint, so to speak. There's no opportunity for uh, the people who are being accused of things to speak in opposition. It flies in the face of our proceedings, the rule of law, where you have the right to defend yourself. And uh, now if it was held differently, I would have a different opinion of that. But I believe it is um, it's politically motivated. It has zero investigative integrity, and really don't care, in my opinion, if it ever reconstitutes itself, hurricane or not. And if you do have relatives in the area, if by chance, and I hope you don't, you're planning to fly to Florida anytime soon for uh, Disney World, uh, Disney World is closing As Hurricane Ian approaches, the theme park is closing the Animal Kingdom, Hollywood Studios, Epcot, and the Magic Kingdom tomorrow and Thursday. Again, the National Hurricane Center predicting the storm will pass over central Florida where the parks are located. And they're also moving guests at exterior resort locations to interior rooms at its other hotels. So... Right now, heavy rainfall, at the very least, is pummeling Florida in the areas that, uh, that we mentioned. And uh, Governor Ron DeSantis is urging residents to take action. And having been in the emergency response business both 
locally, state, and, and federal many, many years ago. I want to underscore, if you have relatives or friends in Florida, for them not to disregard the severity of what they're predicting here. One of the problems that the first response rescuing community runs into is people who, now I I understand there have been times when it's almost like crying wolf. And people uh, very easily, uh, uh, government officials, say evacuate when maybe it's not quite necessary. This is serious stuff right now. It really is. And the problem for first responders is if evacuation orders are made and people don't evacuate, and I'm thinking of, uh, of the hurricanes that have hit the United States before, the first responder community then has to put their lives in danger to rescue people, for example, off of roof, rooftops who refuse to evacuate. And so they put their lives on the line and they could be doing other things while they're rescuing people that should have been evacuating. So my encouragement is, if you have friends or relatives that are in the evacuation area, to uh, to heed that. Here's Governor Ron DeSantis weighing in on what he feels is the severity of the situation. That is something that is life-threatening, and you got to take it seriously. And I think having talked to a lot of the folks in various counties along the Gulf Coast, you know, most people are taking it very seriously, which is a good thing. That is a good thing. And they're saying even with a projective path, the projected path right now is changing to a more southeast direction away from the west, but it's still expected to hit Florida's west coast between Tampa and Fort Myers late uh, Wednesday. And that will bring potentially very damaging and, and possibly fatal flooding and damaging winds. That's according to the National Hurricane Center. The winds have a maximum sustained speed near 120 miles per hour. That's even higher when there are gusts. Again, it's a Category 3. Could get stronger later today. And again, Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida encouraging folks to don't underestimate the power of Ian. Well, take the precautions uh, to protect yourself and your family. Uh, This Mother Nature is a very fearsome adversary, and it's not something that you want to test. You know, they talk about hiding from wind, but running from water. Have you been through a a hurricane or a tornado before? Be interesting to hear from you if you have. Our number, 209-551-3483. Have you been through? One of those, hurricane or tornado, 209-551-3483. Like to hear your experience that you uh, that you had under those circumstances. Again, uh, unapologetically, our prayers are with all those in Florida, all those in the path of Hurricane Ian. Again, if you've been through a hurricane or a tornado, love to hear your experience, uh, what it was like, what you went through. Our number, 209-551-3483. And the Mike Douglas Show will continue in three minutes right here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Take the Mike Douglas Show with you every weekday from 3 till 5. Download the free iHeartRadio app and follow 1360 KFIV. 
And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. This Tuesday afternoon on Power Talk 1360 KFIV, we're watching very carefully the progress of Hurricane Ian. Uh, and it looks like it's going to uh, potentially cause a lot of damage, uh, damage especially on the west coast of Florida, although it seems to be moving a bit towards the east. Again, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, my question is, have you been through a hurricane or a tornado? And we would be very interested to hear about your experience, how you felt, what you did. Our number here, 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. Oscar from Modesto. Oscar, you've been through a hurricane before. Uh, tell us about it. Yeah, how you doing, Mike? Good. I listened to your show on the way home to, you know, on the way home from work. And uh, you got some really good topics. Uh, this is a good one, too, because I was 17 years old when I experienced that Hurricane, all the way, I think it hit Corpus Christi area in 1980, all the way through Brownsville, South Padre Island. But we lived in McAllen, and just the howling of the wind is just enough to scare the daylight out of you. It was pretty brutal. The, the winds were really strong, uh, debris everywhere. Uh, we were in the shelter out of school. Yeah, that was Hurricane uh, Allen in 1980. So what what went through your mind, Oscar? You were, what, 17 years old? Is that what you said? Yeah, because I'm 61 right now. Um, Yeah, and it it was right on my birthday, too, because I was born (laughs) on the 31st of July, and it was right on my birthday when it hit uh, the coast. And my dad started boarding up the house and stuff, but I wanted to be a superhero, like, I'll go outside and check it out, you know? And then my dad got mad. He said, no, we got to go to a school because we got to board the house and go to a school. And, and uh, it, was, it was frightening. A lot of kids crying, people crying. It was pretty strong. It, I really ripped a, 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 house, a brick house out of its foundation in Brownsville. That's what I heard. Yeah, this is uh, yeah. It, the power of these storms. I was doing a, a memorial service earlier today. I was talking to one of the uh, attendants there and and we were talking about the fact, Oscar, that I don't, I think I would prefer, because I've been through them and <clears throat> we're, we're not too far apart in age. And I'm sure you have been as well. I've been through uh, earthquakes and, and, uh, and fires and such. And I don't know, Oscar, I think maybe I would prefer to face an earthquake <clears throat> or even a fire versus a hurricane. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, it depends uh, if you have a way to, you know, to escape. Like, if you're not in a building, like the one that just hit Mexico in Michoacan, that one was pretty devastating. And the one that hit 1985 also in Mexico City was pretty bad. But I don't know. Uh, when I lived in McAllen, they used to tease me. They say, oh, I wouldn't live in California because of the earthquakes. <laughs> and then, uh, well, they, have, they get tornadoes. Well, not tornadoes, but um Hurricanes, pretty bad hurricanes. My son moved to San Antonio, and I'm pretty uh, shocked about it because I moved from Texas to California, and now he moved from California to Texas. So I might have to go do that and and move to uh, Texas again in San Antonio. (laughs) I'm tired of this liberal state. I I understand your feelings, Oscar. Uh, Thank you very much. Appreciate uh, Oscar's... uh recollections about being through a hurricane again that was back in 1980 
uh, hitting uh, the Texas area as well as some other areas. Uh, that was Hurricane Allen. And uh, but you know, in my comment about maybe preferring earthquakes and, and fires, I have seen death in both. And so I'm not minimizing that. I'm just thinking of where I've lived in California and I've I've worked uh, wildfires. I've worked uh, city fires. I've worked uh, earthquakes. I've uh, worked devastating things where people died uh, from natural causes as well as from man-made uh, disasters as well. So I'm not minimizing that or all that at all. I'm just thinking of the frequency of hurricanes, and may, maybe if you live there in Florida for a long time, you're you're used to that. You have your supplies. You have your your plan ready. Uh, our brother-in-law right now, my brother-in-law, is is telling us that the roads are just absolutely crazy right now with, with people uh, attempting to evacuate. And, of course, there's a premium on trying to get sandbags. I've heard a couple of reports that in, in many areas it's maybe a three-hour wait to get sandbags. And, you know, these these are the times when FEMA normally does a really good job, and really. And they pre-position resources. They I'm sure they're pre positioning uh, urban search and rescue task forces right now i'm i know that they're pre-positioning generators and other kinds of supplies and also in their calculus uh, at the moment is going to be where do we set up shelters that are outside of the affected area and uh, i'll tell you a little secret about shelters emergency shelters the first plan you make usually when you open a shelter is what's the plan What's the exit plan? What's the plan for shutting it down? Uh, it is a tremendously complex, and you think about the paperwork involved or the data involved. I'm sure a lot of it's just digital now. It's an incredible undertaking, and so a lot of thi- a lot of gears are are meshing right now, and they're they're running full speed. And it's not like a lot of this is invented on the spot. Uh, believe me, there are manuals upon manuals upon manuals that are on the shelf that are consistently updated to deal with these types of uh, disasters. And there are tabletop exercises. There are full-scale exercises. I mean, th- these these plans are put to the test. And when we do that locally here, our Office of Emergency Services here in Stanislaus County uh, holds periodic uh, exercises to exercise these plans. Why? Not not just to know what the plan is and to be able to uh, to exercise it uh, under real circumstances, but also one of the valuable things about these uh, th- these exercises is that you find where the holes are, you find where the deficiencies are. So uh, there's training going on all the time in all of this, and and now is the time when all of that planning and all of that training comes to the fore. And again, our our prayers, I know there are people, easy to say you're praying. Well, we are, especially with my brother-in-law there. Heavy prayers for the people in Florida. We'll be back with the Mike Douglas Show in five minutes. Talk about cameras in San Francisco again. We'll be back in five minutes. 
Mike Douglas Show. Now, weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. You're listening to the Mike Douglas Show, the voice of the valley. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Thank you so much for joining us 3 to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday right here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. So happy that you were able to discuss these issues and do it respectfully and righteously and uh, with dignity. I just appreciate your ability to be able to discuss issues and disagree without being disagreeable. Not a lot of that happening around our nation today. Well, today we've been tracking Hurricane Ian, uh, it's going fast, uh, at least at this point, sustained speeds up to 120 miles per hour. Well, we've also been tracking something else that uh, has to do with speed, and that, those are cars, cars that are used in cruising. And uh, we carried a story about uh, the cruise uh, being so, sort of beta tested again in Modesto a few weeks ago. And on the line with us is Jerry. And uh, we've asked Jerry to keep us updated on what's happening with the issue of cruising in Modesto. Jerry, welcome to the show. What do you have for us today? Uh, thank you, Mike. Uh, well, we've done quite a bit so far. Uh, we did the cruise uh, two weeks ago, roughly, and it went without any hitches or glitches. We had a meeting uh, this last Thursday of last week with uh, Mayor or Chief Gillespie, excuse me, and he uh, gave us uh, positive results. He was very satisfied how things went smoothly. Uh, he's also realizing, too, that cruising now is different versus cruising 30 years ago. Uh, it's not like... Uh, it's overwhelming with uh, people showing up to cruise because I think it, over time things change, people lose interest, but there's still a group that wants to keep it alive for future generations. So we also had discussed, or actually in the works, we uh, got a green light from the chief to conduct another cruise uh, for next month, which is October 21st, and it's going to be in recognition for Breast Cancer uh, Month. So uh, it's going to be on October 21st uh, from 6 to 10. And the, what brought that about was uh, one of the businesses, because they heard it was such, uh, the last cruise we did was such a success for a couple of the uh, businesses that uh, blocked off the end of J Street, which was 1807 Brewery and Mimosa. Well, I guess business really picked up for them. So they were grateful for that. Mm-hmm. And then neighboring um, businesses, their uh, foot traffic picked up, uh, like uh, Roston, well, Taqueria, Cardenas, um, uh, Papachinos, Rancho Fresco, uh, among others. So uh, this business on G- on 10th Street called Greens, 10th Greens, they reached out to us to ask if we were going to do another cruise, and we said, yes, we are. So they request that they block off the section on 10th, so they can bring in booths uh, for representatives to um, educate and to assess people that are going through breast cancer. And so we're all on board with it. So hopefully we're still in the works on uh, the details, but it will be coming out more uh, as it uh, gets closer to that date. But one thing that we do recognize and the businesses are very grateful for was that we um, – 
or trying to lift the cruising ban, but it's also showing the benefits by lifting this cruise, uh, the ban on cruising, because businesses are able to profit from it for their own survival. Uh, ever since the pandemic's happened, we uh, had talked to a few after the cruise to get their input, and they said they were grateful that uh, we did it that night because they're still trying to recover from the ban- pandemic, and that's back almost two years ago. So um, they hope that we schedule for more. Uh, they hope that they're in support of uh, the city lifting the ban. Uh, we've had meetings with city council members, uh, with three of them so far, and they've been very supportive. But, you know, we like to see a more on their end of processing and putting it through uh, safety and uh, community committee for review, and they can have their uh, discussion session. So that's where we're at so far. Uh, Hopefully they're more convinced that it's not going to be like what it was 30 years ago. Uh, 30 years ago when they had those issues, I went back to, matter of fact, I went back to some old articles to read to catch up on some past history of it, and it seemed like everything that the complaint was about evolved around June of uh, Graffiti Weekend, Mm. and that's when most of their crimes and activity had taken place. And that's because the city and Chamber of Commerce wasn't uh, had any foresight or thought things through when they uh, started doing that back then. So well, Jerry, I, I got blamed. The locals got blamed. I love the yeah. fact that you're tying it to a benefit to the community, especially uh, a charitable pur- purpose, and something especially as uh, as very, very. Uh, common in our culture right now and that's breast cancer and uh, the resources make people aware of the resources that are available i think that's admirable and a a good way uh, to promote this just out of curiosity very quickly uh and and you mentioned and i love the fact that uh police chief gillespie with modesto pd said look things went well love that kind of feedback what do you do, or what are the organizers doing to help make folks understand that may be coming, uh, how to act, or are you, are you putting any uh, advisories there with, with the invitation, or are you just trusting that um, everybody's going to act uh, with common sense? Well, actually, we're putting advisories uh, on the uh, post that we put out. Uh, we also... Uh, say that we don't support we do not support uh alcohol use uh driving recklessly we request that everybody be uh, is responsible because uh cruising we want to bring it back as a family friendly mm. type of environment so we don't want uh families to be out there feel like their kids are in harm's way or uh there's possible dangers uh that could uh discourage them from wanting to be out there so we, we uh, actually uh, get with the clubs, and uh, we sit down and put a request in. And, they've, and matter of fact, the uh, presidents of their clubs have done very well at policing uh, people, uh, saying, hey, you know, this is not what we're about, and we've been labeled as this, and we have to work a little harder to show that we're not the people or the, the clubs that has been labeled as trouble, but we're more out there for the community. 
we're out there. We do uh, toy drives. We do like we're planning for uh, cancer, breast cancer awareness, um, among other things that the lowrider clubs do, the hot rod clubs do, and uh, it's been do- we've been doing it for 40 years or more. And uh, now it's time to come out in the open and show everything that we're about. And a lot of people may not understand. So it's it's a learning process for us, but it's also a learning process for the city and the and the city officials uh, because they got to have that reassurance that it's not going to be like it was back in the 90s, the early 90s. And exactly. We're saying, no, we're not all about that. Right, and Jerry, so I think it, you, I think you and and your folks there have done a, a masterful job at approaching this the right way, in a collaborative way, bringing the city, bringing the police department, bringing business into the conversation. Uh, I applaud you for that. Before I let you go, very quickly, uh, so looking ahead to 2035, when uh, gasoline-powered uh, combustible engines are no longer to be sold in California. What do you think it would be like to have a cruise night with electric cars? Something about that just doesn't resonate with me. Well, it doesn't with me either, and a lot of my constituents uh, are not very uh, thrilled about that idea of themselves because we're trying to preserve the history and also trying to educate the younger generation about the preservation and appreciation of classic cars. It's kind of hard to custom out, I call them, you know, microwave ovens on wheels versus an old classic that's had some design to it, you know, engineering to it. It's, it's a little harder to, to make it look like a piece of art when it exactly. looks like a rolling egg on wheels, too. So. Well, and I'm wondering maybe if, if what they'll do, uh, Jerry, thanks for the call. Excellent report. Excellent update. I'm wondering if uh, on those uh, electric cars, apparently, that are only going to be allowed to be sold in, in California come 2035, I'm wondering if they will have uh, installed speaker systems that will simulate the sound of a muscle car. That would really drive me nuts. But we'll we'll see what happens. Again, I appreciate Jerry's report there. Coming up in three minutes, I want to revisit something that we mentioned yesterday in terms of uh, the freedoms that we have and the fine line between security and crime prevention and identifying suspects to prosecute them the fine line between all of that and the invasion of our privacy. We'll talk about that in more detail in three minutes. Coming up here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here's more with the voice of the valley, Mike Douglas on Power Talk 1360 KFIV and streamed on the iHeartRadio app. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Now, we brought this up yesterday. Had to, because of the constraints of time, give it a little bit of a short shrift. Let me talk about it uh, in, in a little more detail here and get your read on the fine line between, oh, the, the right to privacy and the convenience of security. Ripple chairman, and by the way, that is not Ripple as in the alcoholic beverage. Uh, This is a, uh, Ripple Labs is a a tech company that was founded by a man named Chris Larson. 
And since, so oh, it's been quite a few years now, uh, he has been purchasing a network of security cameras throughout San Francisco. We've been doing that for 10 years. Now, the police department has given him the green light uh, to monitor the feeds from those cameras and any other private surveillance devices in the city. And that can be done in real time. Here And here's the kicker, whether or not a crime has been committed. You may say, okay, Mike, well, maybe the cameras are a good way to prevent crime. All right, I'll chalk that up on, on the pro side of the argument. So anyway, uh, the San Francisco's Board of Supervisors appur- uh, approved this plan to allow San Francisco PD to temporarily tap into private surveillance networks during life-threatening emergencies, large events, and in the course of criminal investigations, including investigations of misdemeanors. And a couple of groups were in opposition to it, the ACLU of Northern California and the Electronic Frontier Foundation said, no, we think uh, that authority will be misused against protesters and marginalized groups by a city that has uh, been popular for both. And they're worried about civil rights violations. What do you think? What do you think? So he has, how many cameras? He's, he has spent, this Chris Larson, has spent uh, apparently around $4 million dollars since 2012, to buy more than 1,000 security cameras in the city. And I I don't fault him for that. In fact, I I applaud him for, in essence, walking his talk, putting his money where his mouth is, so to speak, in, in terms of combating crime. He had the resources to do it. And apparently these cameras are clustered in, in certain districts like Fisherman's Wharf, Japantown, Lower Polk, uh, Mid-Market, the Tenderloin area, and Union Square. And he said, I'm from San Francisco. I believe in the city. He says, in many ways, tech has contributed to the disparity and problems that we see in San Francisco today. He says, as a member of the community, I believe it's our job to help solve these problems by reinvesting in the city and making it safe. Now, Larson, this Chris Larson, has paid for the cameras, but a lot of them are networked and run by neighborhood coalitions. They're called community benefit districts. So those districts are the ones that will ultimately have to agree to give San Francisco PD access to their cameras. They said apparently some have already said they're going to do this. Larson says the decision reached by the San Francisco Board of Directors Makes a re- or strikes a reasonable balance to help with public safety while maintaining the proper controls to protect privacy and civil liberties, which will ultimately make San Francisco a safer place for everyone. I'm not sure what he means by proper controls to protect privacy and civil liberties. That is at least not explained in some of the narratives that I'm, I'm reading here. So uh, he's, he, and he says quite correctly, the video footage will enhance abilities to seek justice. So I can, I can see that. Uh, I can, I can say if, if you look at it in a strictly 
prosecutorial point of view that this would be a good thing. And I think it probably, if people know that there are cameras running in those areas, they might be less inclined to commit a crime. Although I, I don't know. Maybe I need to retract that because we have seen so many uh, pictures, uh, videos lately of people committing horrible crimes upon other people, hitting, uh, hitting them with bats, uh, coming alongside and, and hitting them upside the head and knocking them down, sometimes knocking them out cold, stabbing people, shooting people. They don't seem to care if the cameras are on or not. Why don't they care if the cameras are on or not, you may say, Mike? Well, since you asked, it's because I believe that they don't think there's going to be much of a penalty, much of a consequence for that. And again, this comes back to one of the major burners, I think, that's uh, going to be on the ballot, so to speak, come November 8 in 42 days. And, uh, and that's crime. I told you yesterday that in a survey that the Washington Post and ABC News uh, did recently, that 78% of the registered voters who were polled, and, and these are not, they weren't divided according to Republicans or Democrats, this is a total, 78% of them said that crime, dealing with crime, is one of the most important issues to deal with, or at least it's very important. So it obviously is on the minds of voters. If you recall, of the six or seven areas that uh, that they presented to voters, the number one issue was the economy. 85% of the people said the economy is, uh, is the, the big burner for us as we decide who to vote for in Congress. Number two was really a tie between crime and inflation. Of course, you can tie inflation really to the economy, so that's not too surprising to me. But uh, crime and inflation came in number two. Number three was education and schools. Uh, Number four was abortion. Uh, Number five was immigration. And number six... Uh, of all of those, the lowest priority at 50% of the voters uh, was climate change. So I, crime's an issue. My question for you is, are, let's say it's coming to your city. You know, whether you're in, in Santa Clara County or Stanislaus County, San Joaquin County, Calaveras, Tuolumne, Mariposa, Merced, Alameda, regardless what county you're in, would would you be okay, as San Francisco is experiencing, with a thousand more cameras coming into your major metropolitan urban areas, the hot spots, to monitor crime there? Do, do you feel that would be an infringement of your privacy rights? Or do you think, yay, I'll applaud that. I'd like more cameras to be watching what's going on. Think of it in terms of your city, your county. Would you be for a thousand more cameras as in San Francisco's case? Or would you say, I don't know. I don't know that I want cameras watching me all the time. Our number here, 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. 
And I, I just, uh, of course, there have been movies and television shows uh, about Big Brother, right? And you think of 1984, uh, George Orwell really was uh, giving a lot of uh, heads up to that. And it certainly all happened uh, in, in a, probably a shorter time than he thought. But it's, uh, it's interesting to me to really wrestle with this subject. Again, I suppose if I'm being victimized by someone who's assaulting me in one of those areas, I would love for those cameras to be there and hopefully record the face or some identifying aspect of the person who is assaulting me. On the other hand, I want to be able to, to walk down main street, so to speak, and not have cameras watching me. Now, in a lot of intersections, there are already cameras. And in our area here, you see the little flashing uh, blue lights. They're, they're all over the place. And I, I, I don't know. There, there's part of me that, that wants that anonymity, not because I'm going to commit a crime, of course. It's just I want... I don't want cameras watching me. I want to be able to walk down the street from a theater with hand in hand with my wife and just enjoy being with her and walking down the street without thinking that someone's watching me. I don't know. How do you feel about it? 209-551-3483, our number 209-551-3483. Three four eight three. Very quickly, let's go to Mike from Manteca. We got about a minute, Mike. What are your thoughts on this? Well, I think I would kind of be in favor of uh, cameras being in a public area because we conduct ourselves in certain ways when we're out in public. But then again, the concern would be a shared concern because you mentioned it. That would would actually would a prosecution actually occur as a result of it. If somebody steals your wallet and you're in the public square and it's caught on video and they can see who it is, uh, would they actually go after that person? That would that, be my concern about it. That's right. Uh, Mike, I got to hit my mark here. Thanks for the call. Appreciate that very much. We'll be back in five minutes. Mike Douglas Show, Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The show you love talking about the issues that are important to you the voice of the valley the mike douglas show now every weekday from three till five on air and online power talk 1360 kfiv here again is your host mike douglas and welcome to our number two of the mike douglas show here on this fine tuesday in california's central valley on power talk 1360 kfiv mike douglas here your personal concierge for conversation as we take a look at a lot of the issues pressing in upon us, especially as we consider that the midterm elections are a mere 42 days away. Unbelievable. Again, uh, I believe it's uh, it's a screeching to the precipice of the cliff time. Slamming on the brakes is November 8, in my opinion, and then putting the vehicle in reverse backing up and and combating the ridiculousness, the lack of common sense, and the apparent desire of the woke culture to undo 
the best of what makes the United States of America the United States of America, to undermine its Judeo-Christian ethics, to undermine the tenets of the Constitution of the United States, the amendments, uh, the Bill of Rights, and to, to really do away with the complete rationale for independence in the first place articulated in the Declaration of Independence. And so I believe that November 8 is a critical, uh, a critical, critical time for us. And as we go along, again, our commitment to you is to bring as much information to you as we can to make you as informed as possible, to be a well-informed voter. Uh, I was going to say going to the polls, that's not an issue anymore, sad to say, but at least uh, checking your mail-in ballot and either putting it in a drop box or mailing it in, whatever... Uh, you prefer to do. I don't, I don't trust the mail. I don't, I, we, we put ours in a, uh, in a secure drop box. At least we personally make sure it goes in. I'm trusting that it gets where it needs to go from that point. At least here in Stanislaus County, we get a, uh, a text, uh, a, a digital tracking of where the ballot is, what's been done with it. So at least I know it's been counted and that's, uh, that's something uh, at the very least. So yesterday I was uh, waxing somewhat passionately about the United States of America and why I believe it's worth fighting for. And when I say I'm a fighter, I mean I'm, I'm for pulling out all the stops that are legal within the boundaries of the rule of law in order to right the ship. And our ship is listing. Our ship is sinking. And it's sinking because socialists based in Marxism are intent on destroying capitalism. They're intent on destroying things that are true. They are trying to convince us that things that are true and have been true since the beginning of human history are not true. And I believe it's time for us to stand up and say, no, we're... No, we're, we're, we're not going to get nasty about it, but I'm sorry, uh, we don't believe that. Now, see, there's a difference between saying you're wrong and saying I know that not to be true because can't argue with that. Can't argue with I know that is not true. If you say to the other person you're wrong, they can debate till whenever that they're right, but they can't debate how you feel and how you stand in the light of truth. And so I believe in standing up, and you know what? Standing up means you're going to take hits. Somewhere in our culture, somewhere along the line, and I think it happened sometime after World War II, our culture began to think that somehow we are immunized against any negatives. We are immunized against hardships. We are immunized against being attacked. We are not. Anytime anyone stands for what's true, we're going to take hits. It's the way it is. It's been the way it has been since the beginning of human history. And the narrative of Cain and Abel, <laughs> good people, Bad things happen to good people. It's, it's, I'm not going into, into the theological rationale for that, but bad things happen to good people. It's the way it is. 
And when we stand for truth, we're going to be attacked. We're going to be opposed. Now, how severe that is, you know, depends on the subject and and who we are. Now, I'm going to go back to 1965. You're going, oh, come on, Mike. Are you going to get schmaltzy here? Maybe. Maybe. Do you remember Up With People uh, in in the 60s? My mom took me to some Up With People concerts in the park down in the, the Pasadena area. I don't remember exactly where it was, but they were fun. They were they were uplifting. And there's so much in our culture right now where the entertainment industry and the music industry isn't uplifting. In fact, it's attacking. And, and part of the, the music industry is advocating violence and it's it's just a it's just a different day but there was a song back then that has that that flits through my mind very often and it has resonated and echoed through my mind a lot recently do you remember this from 1965 Yeah, no, I'm not trying to be a DJ. It's just the song keeps bouncing around in my head. Whether you think that's smaltzy or not, it's a song that has stayed with me for decades and decades and decades beyond that. Freedom is not free. And I don't know where we got the idea in our culture today that we can just coast along without ever having to stand up and fight for our freedoms. And when I say fight, I don't mean inappropriately. I mean fighting the good fight, standing up for what's true. And I think the best way, again, to argue those points is this is what's true. This is what I know to be true. I mean, other people can argue about what they feel is true, but they can't argue with what you feel is true. It's what you feel. It's what you know to be true. And for so many years now, we've, we've buckled under the societal pressure. We've, we've succumbed to the shaming that uh, the far left has exercised. We've, we've, we've succumbed to, okay, you, you want to have uh, 145 different classifications of gender? Oh, okay, we understand that. We don't want to be criticized. No, there's two genders, male and female. And if someone wants to pretend they're female and they're male, that's fine. That's up to them. But don't drag the rest of us into your little bubble. That's not where we live. That's not where we want to live. People want to destroy the far left, the woke culture, the Marxists, the socialists want to destroy capitalism. No, the United States of America for a long time has been a torchbearer for the benefits of capitalism. Now, is capitalism, you say, well, get, people get greedy. Yeah, they do. People get greedy anyway. 
You, you think dictators don't get greedy? You think Joe Biden doesn't get greedy? You think Gavin Newsom doesn't get greedy? As, to quote the president, come on, man. Now let's be real. <laughs> Can we? I, I'm not doing this shaming thing. I'm not being a victim of shaming. We're not going to do that here on the Mike Douglas Show. Now, you're welcome to call up if you'd like and, and shame me all, the, all you want, but I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to be shamed because I know who I am. I know what my identity is, where it is, and I know what I believe to be true. And so I'm not going to succumb to that. And I think if more and more of us would stand up and take and, and just stand up for what's true. It doesn't mean to go on the attack. It means to stand up for what's true. Stand fast. And and in that process, we get hit. And sometimes we get hit with friendly fires, so to speak. But coming up to November 8, in a mere 42 days, I believe we're going to need to to do more of that. And uh, our commitment to you is to remain live and local as long as I'm allowed to be on the air here and the FBI doesn't knock on my door. Which, who knows? The FBI is being used as a battering ram. It's being used inappropriately today by the elite in Washington, D.C. That's not conspiracy theory. Look at so much that's gone on lately. Mike Lindell, whether you like him or not, whether you like his pillows or not, doesn't matter. The man was either going to or coming from eating at Hardee's and a bunch of FBI vehicles come around and surround him and, and, and they take his cell phone. Well, that could be done through an attorney. That could be done through a phone call. Same thing at Mar-a-Lago. The FBI is being used as a tool to silence any political opposition needs to stop. And I believe it can be stopped. But it begins with you and me standing for what's true. I want the FBI to be what it should be. I want the FBI to be the premier law enforcement agency in the land and the premier law enforcement agency across the world. I want the United States of America and the world to be proud of the FBI. Right now we're not. And it's not because of the linemen and women, the boots on the ground. It's because of the higher-ups in the echelon. Same thing with the military. Same thing with the military. A lot of those one- and two-star generals are, are buckling. They're, they're buckling under the woke culture because they want to advance in their rank, and they know that's about the only way they're going to do it. We can make that change, but we do have to stand for what's true. So thank you for allowing me to wax a little more eloquent or even ineloquent, uneloquent regarding that and to play that song, which continues to bounce around in my head. All right. In uh, three minutes, I want to talk to you about the California Air Resources Board. You may have heard about this. Now they want to do away with natural gas. Where does this end, do you think? Does California have to descend into becoming a third world entity before they stop? 
or can we start chipping away at that beginning November 8? We'll talk about it more in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. 1360 KFIV is your place online. Let's get social with Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And let's get back to the discussions here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. We've been talking about uh, uh, standing firm on what we know to be true. We've been talking about 42 days from now, November 8, being such an important and I think um, culture-changing election. I I really believe we're either going to drive the car off the cliff or we're going to come to a screeching halt, put it in reverse, and start making some good progress. Uh, Toward that end, uh, we've been looking off and on at uh, many of the propositions. We talked about Prop 1 and 26 and 27 last week. We'll be looking ahead to other propositions now, but also looking at uh, bills from time to time that Governor Newsom either has on his desk or has already signed. And in a couple of minutes, we'll talk about what the California Air Resources Board is up to. You're going to love this. Before we do that, though, let's go back to the phones. 209-551-3483. And Victor from Farmington. Victor, what's on your mind today? God bless you, Pastor. Thanks for taking my phone call. And thank you. I'm calling not to shame you, but to commend you for always being real and having the guts to tell the truth, whether people like it or not. Um, Just God bless you for that. Uh, My main objective today is to to remind people that on this ballot coming up is uh, Gavin Newsom again. And one of his things he's already got through is spending American taxpayers' money, especially Californians, to fly pe- girls from all over the country to come to California, pay for their abortions, pay for their hotel rooms, give them food cards, and fly them back home again. So it's like a vacation to come kill your unborn child. Uh, but the next bill he's getting ready to sign in a day or two is going to allow illegal, undocumented aliens to get um, identity cards, to be a California identity card. And when they go anywhere, even outside of California, and ICE, anybody comes comes in contact with them, they're going to think somehow they're a legalized citizen. Um, and that's going to all be done at California taxpayer expense. And it's also going to hoard a bunch of them to come want to break down the doors of California now and, and even make this state of California more of a hellhole than it's already become. Victor, I think uh, you you bring up you bring up some reasons why November eight is so important, and I realize it's not going to be a light switch, Victor. It's, we we took a while to get where we are. It's going to take us a while to recover from it, but we can do it. But it does require us doing what you've done. You've done some extensive research, research, and that's what's so important is for folks to be able to cast a vote with knowledge having done some research that that is absolutely uh, critical today and uh, i th- i i tend to believe uh victor that none of this is unintentional uh i think it's is part of a master plan uh governor newsom has a plan for california to erode the rule of law as much as possible and uh, yeah, he's, he's, do, he's yeah he's doing everything that he can to destroy the rule of law. 
and uh, and, and his his dealing with uh, the uh, the abortion issue, making this a, a sanctuary state, uh, and and I don't and I I looked into this and I can't remember whether it's private. Uh, nonprofit funding that's bringing people here, or whether it's taxpayer funding, I don't remember. Maybe you know, but anyway, the, the way will be paid for people to come to California to receive abortions, and that should not be be even stewarded by the government. That ought to be a personal decision if they want to come yeah. here. Fine. Uh, Governor Newsom is not representing, I don't think, really, the majority of Californians when he does this. I, I really don't. And, and you brought up this same issue with I- illegal immigrants being given California ID cards. Why should someone who breaks the law be given a legal ID card? Victor, it's absolutely counterintuitive. And it makes your head spin, but, but I think we need to stand fast, say, we believe that's wrong, cast votes for people who also believe that's wrong. Amen. You're actually right, too. This guy has been groomed his whole entire life to manage the decline of California and then on to the White House, if, he, if God forbid, um, to, to start socialism. I mean, to further the socialist Marxist agenda. He's dangerous. He's terrible. And California's paying the price now. And we got to grab everybody we know that has may even be inclined to vote for him again to not let him win again somehow. Anyway, thanks, brother. Uh, God bless you. Thank you, Victor. Blessings upon you. Appreciate the call. And uh, I... I talk a lot about what do we leave in our wake? What do politicians leave in their wake? Look at their voting records. Look at their policies. Uh, are you for the majority of policies that Gavin Newsom has inflicted us with? I know I'm shading that a little bit, but really, do it, do we want this to continue? Do we want him as president in 2024? Lord help us. I hope not. You're listening to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. We'll be back in five minutes after news, traffic, and weather. Talk about the California Air Resources Board coming up. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. A pastor with passion. A minister with manners. Now, back to the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Always so appreciative of uh, you, our listening audience, here 3 to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday. I I look forward to this time together, uh, and I, I gather a lot of... Uh, I, I, I really do gather... Uh, a lot of information from you. Sometimes you provide things that help me re-examine where I'm at. Sometimes it helps me understand better why I'm where I'm at. And other times um, I'm saying, well, wow, there's a nugget there I may not have considered. I think that's the value of the marketplace of ideas. But you see, in order for the marketplace of ideas to work, we have to be willing to intelligently and respectfully discuss the issues reasonably 
and again with with some respect for each other. You, you don't have to agree, but at least you have to acknowledge. All right, that's your opinion. This is my opinion, and we can we can still be friends. But you see, the uh, the cancel culture, the woke culture, doesn't allow that. If you don't believe what we believe, if if you don't subscribe to the narrative that we have, then you need to be done away with. We need to have law enforcement at your door and and put you away and intimidate you so that others of your ilk will be intimidated as well. I think there are enough Americans and enough Californians who've had it with this to say we're not going to be intimidated anymore. Not going to happen. And I think that is so important. And that's why we need to get some new administrations in and start dealing with, uh, call it the deep state, call it the deep bureaucratic uh, culture, you call it whatever you want. It, It runs pretty deep in the hallowed halls of both Sacramento and Washington, D.C. as well. But I believe there's hope. I, I, as you know, I'm a cautious optimist. And to me, and again, this is my theological viewpoint creeping in, as long as God is on his throne, which he was, is, and always will be, uh, not only is there hope, in my opinion, there are assurances. And so I am willing to fight the good fight, so to speak, and stand up for what's true stand up for what's right, and stand up for what's just. Not in a way where it's like grabbing at jello, but based upon the Judeo-Christian ethics. So it's, uh, except in some cases, not exactly black and white, but it's clear so that people can understand it. All right, moving on to the California Air Resources Board. That's another thing I think in California, if we can ever ever overcome the supermajority is to look at these boards. There are unelected people determining our futures. Again, people that we never voted for. And you say, well, I don't know, Mike, by proxy, you vote for the governor and he appoints these people, et cetera, et cetera. All right. I, I understand that. But as far as being directly elected, they are not accountable to us. They say they are. Well, we'll we're have we'll have hearings. You ever been in a hearing in Sacramento? I have, and basically what I found out is, <laughs> if the powers that be don't agree with you, they'll they'll let you talk and they'll say thank you. There's the door and don't let it slam on your way out. That's been my experience. So California Air Resources Board, as you may know. The uh, agency has approved a proposal that would ban natural gas heaters and furnaces by 2030. Anybody here have a natural gas heater or furnace? Raise your hand. I do. I think many of you probably have your hands up as well. Well, so the goal is to meet federal ozone standards for the level of greenhouse gases. Here comes the climate change religion uh, to, uh, to meet that standard by 2037. So the California Air Resources Board says the state's less fortunate residents. Don't you, don't you love those uh, coinings of phrases? twisting of words, less fortunate residents are the primary beneficiary beneficiaries of this proposal. 
Baloney. That's a theological term. Baloney. No. No. The primary beneficiaries of this proposal, those beneficiaries, are the elite politicians in California who are reigning at the moment. They're they're the ones that are going to be the primary beneficiaries. Uh, CARB, California Air Resources Board Chair Leanne, uh, Lane, maybe, Leanne, Leanne Randolph says, while the strategy will clean the air for all Californians, it will also lead to reduced emissions in the many low-income and disadvantaged communities that experience greater levels of persistent air pollution. So apparently, air pollution knows not to fly through the air and go to prosperous areas. Air pollution knows that it must stay contained in, what do they call it, low-income and disadvantaged communities. I'm going to tell you something, CARB Chair Randolph. I know a lot of people in what you call low-income and disadvantaged communities who don't feel that they're disadvantaged at all. They're good, hardworking people. They are moral people. They are ethical people. They are family people. And they don't like what's going on in Sacramento either. And maybe you need to quit quit being tone deaf to their concerns. Just my thought. So this plan that was first published last month, saying it's relying on heat pumps to electrify new and existing homes beyond 2030. Well, let's hear from a member of the California Air Resources Board. Uh, This member's name is Michael Benjamin. Here's what he has to say about this proposal. Let's listen carefully. Beginning in the year 2030, 100% of sales of new space heaters and water heaters in California will need to be zero emissions. Zero emissions. Did I maybe some of you support this? I and I will not, I never put callers down ever. I don't believe in that. I believe if, if, if you have the wherewithal to call, that we ought to treat each other with respect. I treat callers with respect, whether we agree or not. If you think this is a good thing, I would like to hear from you and why. 209-551-3483. Alternatively, if you don't think this is a good idea, if you don't think we ought to be outlawing gas-powered water heaters, natural gas-powered water heaters and such in the future, I'd like to hear from you too. 209-551-3483. By the way, what about the California Air Resources Board? What are they about? Well, I, I looked up on their website under rulemaking. And here's, I'm going to quote it. I'm going to read it. So I'm not going to interpret it until I'm done. I'm going to read it verbatim from their website. Under the direction and authority of the California legislature, the California Air Resources Board is tasked with developing and adopting the specific rules and regulations needed to achieve healthful air quality. 
This process is established by California law and is formally known as the rulemaking process. This process ensures that all stakeholders and community voices are heard and that all viable options for action have been considered. Only after prescribed periods of public notice and open public hearings are held is a measure adopted. And to ensure that the adopted regulation meets the original directives of California's legislature, an independent review is undertaken before the regulation can take effect. That is called word salad. (laughs) That is a bunch of bureaucratic baloney. Let me just translate it. Uh, if I could, and, and this is translating it to Pastor Mike speak here. Under the direction and authority of the California legislature, the California Resources Board is tacked with developing and adopting the specific rules and regulations needed to achieve healthful air quality. That means if you disagree with us, you don't like healthful air quality. You're a polluter. And we are the ones that are wise enough to develop and adopt the specific rules and regulations needed to achieve what you don't realize you need. That's my interpretation. If you have other interpretations, you're welcome to call 209-551-3483. Next paragraph. The process is established by the California law. Oh, we made a mistake there, and is formally known as rulemaking, the rulemaking process. I think we made a mistake there. This process ensures that all stakeholders and community voices are heard. Notice how carefully that's phrased. It means you're heard, but they're welcome to not pay attention to what you have to say, and that all viable options for actions have been considered. That means, well, we considered not doing it, but that's a bonehead idea, so we're going to go ahead. I'm bringing this down to very simple simple things here. All right, last paragraph. Only after prescribed periods of public notice and open public hearings are held is a measure adopted. Yeah, they, they have all these pretend hoops that they're paying attention to. Yeah, they're, they're having the public hearings. They're having the public notice. They're doing that. And, but they're still, the elites are still going to decide what they want to decide. They are not elected by us. And they are not, we don't really have any, any method of holding them accountable. And, continuing their thing here, to ensure that the adopted regulation meets the original directives of California's legislature in an independent review that's undertaken before the regulation can take effect. Really, do you think we're stupid? Let me answer the question. Yes, they do. They think you and I are stupid. They think that we can't read between the lines. And they think that they continue, they can continue to destroy California with impunity and shame us into saying, well, if if you don't agree with it, you're a polluter. That's my interpretation. Do you have an alternate interpretation or do you have one like that? I'd be interested to know in three minutes. 
on 209-551-3483. That's the key to expressing your voice here. 209-551-3483. We'll be back in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. He's got issues. Let's talk about it. The Mike Douglas Show on air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. Here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. As you may have known, uh, the U.S. Senate uh, was going to run out of money this Friday night. And they were taking a procedural vote today on a short-term funding measure to avoid a shutdown. Frank, you know, government, federal government doesn't really all the way shut down. Do you know that? No. Essential services, so to speak, they, they, they keep rolling. I am not opposed to the federal government shutting down for a while, but apparently, and I'm just looking at uh, some headlines here very quickly, apparently they've reached, uh, the Senate has reached some type of agreement uh, that uh, they are going to keep things going apparently for another 10 weeks. Oh, goody. I i don't know about you, but I feel so much better knowing that the federal government is going to keep going for another 10 weeks. That just warms the cockles of my little heart. Anyway, so there, there we go. Here's another. Uh, this, this was an interesting thing that I noticed, um, and this relating to uh, the Modesto City Council. City officials are offering a free backyard composting class. A free compost bin will be offered after you take the class. And I'm assuming this is only for, yeah, it's, it's for uh, Modesto residents. Well, that's interesting. If you're a Modesto resident and you're interested in that, you can learn how to compost, and uh, they'll, they'll give you a free bin to do your composting. So immediately what, came to my mind was, does that include human composting, which has now been legalized? Remember, we talked about that uh, last week, the uh, natural organic reduction, where if you'd like, your your body can uh, be put into a container along with wood chips and such, and after a certain period of time, was it 30 days? Can't remember. But anyway, after a certain uh, amount of time, uh, your body, and, and they, they remove, by the way, the bones and all of that. So it's just your flesh, apparently. I don't know if your organs, I would assume your organs are, are included in. Anyway, you become dirt. You become good dirt. And you can be used to literally push up daisies. So I'm wondering if uh, the Modesto proposal, probably not. But anyway, it uh, came to my mind, which gives you an insight to where my mind is often at at 2.35 in the morning. Now here's uh, another survey. These surveys are interesting, aren't they? I wonder how they come up with these things. There is a survey recently completed that identifies the California cities with the most profanity. Now, why would you bother to do a survey about which cities in California have the most profanity? 
They're saying it's it's a research company called Preply, P-R-E-P-L-Y. Apparently, uh, you'll hear more profanity in San Francisco and Los Angeles than any other places. In fact, they have it down to how many times? San Francisco residents, they say, swear on average of 24 times a day. In L.A., it's 21 times a day. Well, what is this Preply? It says, Preply's mission is to shape the future of effective learning by building an innovative learning space that connects learners and tutors powered by our growth-minded team and technology. So, does that help you any? Understand Preply and why they're researching who swears the most in California? Now, to be fair, I've looked at their website. They, they do a lot of other surveys. The top 10 side hustles for bilingual Britons. That's uh, important. The rudest cities in America. I guess, I guess that's pretty important. The, over, the most overused and misspelled words on curriculum vitaes in 2022. That, that's an elite word for resumes. Let's see. Uh, the best locations to study abroad. That might be interesting. Mapping how to laugh online in different languages. So there you go. If you're interested in Preply, that's some of the things that you can find out from them. Thank you so much for participating today on the Mike Douglas Show. I'll be back tomorrow, 3 to 5 p.m. right here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Have a wonderful night.